What's up, y'all? This is Cece, and welcome back to another episode of the 21st Century Cripple. Today's episode is going to be about the documentary Crip Camp on Netflix and why that documentary meant so much to me. Um, All of the topics that were brought up in this documentary made about disabled people in the 70s are still relevant about disabled people in 2020. And also the name of the documentary caught my attention because it's called Crip Camp and I named my podcast 21st Century Cripple for a reason because it used to be a word that was used to um, demonize me and stigmatize me and put me in a box and make me feel ashamed of myself and it wasn't until I got older that I really embraced the word and um, some people love the name of my podcast and some people are like I don't think we should call ourselves cripple they're going to do it anyway and that's probably one of the first wor- you know words that come to their mind when referring to a disabled person is a cripple so I just feel like um, when you take that word you take power back from them and you show them you really don't give a fuck what you call me because it doesn't change my condition so i really love the sentiment of the fact that the documentary is called crip camp because it's literally what i would call a camp if i had one or made one so the name in itself made me like let me check this out but the fact that i watched it and it was about young people in 1970 that went to camp and some of them had cerebral palsy some of them had polio some of them were blind some of them had other disabilities but the fact that they were young they were my age and they were recording themselves at camp and speaking on their experiences And the things that came from this camp just by a group of disabled individuals standing in solidarity and a bunch of good able-bodied individuals that realize that we're just human beings. Um, Hello, that is the whole reason I have this podcast. (laughs) So uh, the documentary really inspired me. If you want to stop the podcast and go watch Crip Camp before I continue, go do that shit. It's good. It's on Netflix. It's not that long. Um, If you want to watch Crip Camp after my podcast, do that too because it is really inspiring. It's really beautiful. Um, It can really open your mind to and your eyes to if you don't have a disabled person in your life, we are just like everybody else. And if you don't want to sit and listen to a podcast, maybe Crip Camp can be your avenue to open up your mind to these issues and just that we're people. So um, with that being said, I want to get this started. Sorry for the little bit of a long intro, but let's get this started. Another episode of 21st Century Cripple. And the topic today is Crip Camp. All right, y'all. So Crip Camp. If you haven't watched it already and you want to, go ahead and pause me now and come back to me after you finish, or you can watch the documentary after you finish this episode. Either way, I really encourage you to watch the documentary on Netflix. It's called Crip Camp, and uh, the Obamas, President Obama and Miss Michelle Obama, had a hand in producing this documentary. They they have a Netflix deal. I think it's about seven documentaries that they're going to produce through Netflix, and this is one of them that they had a hand in. Um, And it really meant a lot to me because it shows me that they have seen it, and they paid attention to it, and they are aware of the struggles of the disabled individuals in this country. I know that um, it wasn't necessarily a look on today's view of, of disabled rights and disability rights, but the fact that 
this is this is a documentary about a group of disabled individuals that went to camp in 1970s and because of this situation and scenario and being around other people with disabilities and solidarity they are literally the driving force and the reason that we have ADA and disability civil rights it all came from a camp called Camp Jened that these um young disabled people went to in the 70s because it there wasn't a place for disabled people to gather or they were either lumped in one place or considered to be less intellectually capable than they really were really weren't given a chance so in the 70s um this camp comes around camp janed and it calls for all disabled people um cerebral palsy polio blindness whatever whatever your disability may be um, it was an open door for you to just come and have friends and be seen and be heard and have your needs bet- met to the best of the people running the camp's um, ability. And first of all, that is a really good idea. Um, I have never experienced camp or like group activities like that because of my fear of being left out and people not understanding that I have cerebral palsy. So as much as the hike sounds cool, we might have to, you know, find alternative things to do. You know, it's like that embarrassment of having to explain your disability to a group of people that don't understand it. Um, That completely goes away when you are surrounded by individuals with disabilities and you could learn about other people's struggle and you could feel more proud about your own and stronger knowing that you're not in this alone. So I thought that that was a absolutely brilliant idea and I can't believe I've never heard of it before before I watched the documentary um it's called Camp Jened and it opened up in 1970 so I don't know why I would have heard about it but um all the topics that I speak about on this podcast wanting to be seen as a person before I'm seen as a disabled person um wanting people to understand that disabled people have sex too and we like it and we're allowed to have social lives, we're allowed to have friends, we're allowed to want to go out and drink, um, we want to have the most normal life, that literally little little liberties, like being able to take yourself somewhere when you want to go, um, is a liberty that people take for granted, and that are realizing now in this quarantine, that literally you can't do shit, and people are driving themselves crazy, And they don't realize that this is a disabled person's life. A lot more times than not, we are subjected to stay at home or stay somewhere because of lack of transportation, lack of access to transportation, or just lack of funding or help at all. So (laughs) this is one thing that the quarantine is bringing up too. A lot of people are just getting a little taste of what it's like to be a 21st century cripple. But um, all of the issues that I've spoke about on this podcast as far as uh, workforce discrimination, wanting friends, wanting a relationship, um, lack of transportation like I was just talking about, they were speaking on these issues in 1970. So that was another thing that caught my my eye and my attention. These people, these wonderful people, it's a beautiful documentary. It actually shows film from the 1970s. So you see them in all their young glory in their wheelchairs just living their life rather than, you know, people on screen just recalling what they went through. We actually see it. And it was fucking cool. And it made me emotional. But um, 
They were speaking about all of these issues in 1970. It is 2020, and I am speaking about the issues on my own podcast, and I'm sure other people are as well, whether they use Twitter as their avenue or Facebook groups or whatever it may be. A lot of the issues that were brought up in this documentary are still issues today. So as much as it made me like, oh, like we're not alone. This has always been an issue. It's kind of disheartening because it's almost 40, 50 years later. There's still the same exact issues and the same exact stigmatization towards disabled people. And it just... It's kind of comforting, but not at the same time because so much time has passed. And although ADA laws and things like that, anti-discriminatory laws have been passed, it doesn't seem like any progress has made from the time that these young hippies went to Camp Jeanette, Crip Camp, and 2020 now, me recording this podcast in my bedroom. So it's, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition of time. You relate because you're like, damn, they were going through exactly what I'm going through in 1970. That's before my mother was even born. And I'm, 20, I'm 24 in 2020 speaking about this, realizing that we still, the issues are still here and they never really have vanished. So one of the things that I I definitely have spoken about on this podcast that were brought up um, in the documentary, one of the workers of the documentary, or one of the workers of Camp Jeanette, he was like a camp counselor. He was saying that the camp really opened up his eyes because prior to Camp Jeanette, he had no or no little or no exposure to disabled population. Um, and this is in 1970s. And even in the 1970s, they were, it seems like they were kept away in a little room or you didn't even know that they existed. I literally spoke about this in one of my podcast episodes, how inclusion feels like seclusion. Um, you ha- you have disabled individuals in your school, but they don't have any other interaction with the normal or, you know, generalized population of the school. So when we do grow up and leave school settings and we see disabled people in the world, it's such a big shock. A lot of people don't even know that there's a disability room in their school, in their high school, where these these wonderful, beautiful kids are that don't have any friends and no interaction with the people other than the people that are in that room. So in 1970, this was still an issue. Um, Judy was, Judy, Judy Human um, was the main driving force um, and the main speaker of this documentary. She had polio, so she's, she'd been in a wheelchair since she was um, 18 months, but the thing that drew me to her and the thing that caused a lot of change is she was very intellectual. She was, she's just like me. She was very intellectual. She was able to articulate her mind and speak for the rights of other um, disability disabilities and disabled people. And she was, you know, quite feisty <laughs> um, in her young age, like I tried to be or want to be. Um, she didn't hold her tongue. She she was like, I'm disabled, why, you know, but I'm here. Um, like mentally, I understand everything that's going on. Why are you putting me in this room uh, against everybody else? Why are we being segregated? Why, why don't we have these rights? She was cognizant enough even back then to realize that she's a human being, but being a disabled individual, you kind of feel like a second class citizen. You don't necessarily have the rights that able-bodied people have 
simply because you're disabled and it's beyond it was beyond her control there's nothing she could do about it but she decided to become an activist she decided to speak up use her voice meet meet like-minded disabled people and speak for speak for us and it took 20 years for the American Disabilities Act to pass 20 years she started lobbying for this in 1970 and it didn't get passed until 1990s so she was fighting for a long time but all of this stemmed from the fact that she went to crip camp she went to camp janed in 1970s um one of the more emotional parts of the documentary for me was when one of the people said they felt like because they had cerebral palsy, they had a loss of privacy because you have a disability. People want to know about your life and how you function before they even get to know you as a person. And that literally like made me get a frog in my throat and it made me tear up a little bit because you do have a lack of privacy when you're disabled. Um, there's automatically a label on you and a target on you. People want to know like, how the hell did she get to the store today? Or how is she walking around? Or what's wrong with her? Like, there's automatically something to be surveyed about us. So we lose our lack of privacy immediately. Um, we don't get to be ignored. We don't get to have to not be self-conscious because people are automatically, they feel entitled to know what's wrong with me or what I have or why I'm walking this way or if I need any help. It's just a lack of privacy that we have. And the fact that they brought this up back then and they were feeling it back then really, it really kind of hurt because it really made me feel like society's view um, of disability hasn't changed at all because it's 2020 and I still deal with this. Um, I have had people follow me around in Walmart. I've had people follow me around in Target. And then it wasn't until the end of the shopping trip where they were like, we just wanted to make sure that you were okay. Um, lady, you followed me around here for the last 45 minutes. Like, you could have asked me in the first five and I would have told you. But it's it's like a lack of privacy. People always assume that one of my ankles is broken, even though the CP is in both of my legs. And they're just like, oh, well, uh, what happened to your ankle? Or, oh, what happened? Or were you hit by a car? And it's kind of funny because I was run over by a car, but that is not the reason that I walk this way. So, um, you know, I always like to kind of fuck with people sometimes. I'm like, yeah, I got brain damage or yeah, I got hit by a car because I don't want to explain myself and that is a big like lack of privacy people stare at me everywhere I go I'm very self like very self-conscious because whoever is seen with me whether you're holding my hand or you're like a friend and you're walking with me they have to understand like we're going to get stared at so like be ready <laughs> and I always have to warn people and it's like embarrassing um and but it's it's part of life um you, I'm going to get stared at and a lot of my my own friends I guess they didn't really realize it until we started going out in public and my anxiety level you know let my friends actually take me out that day um they they saw with their own eyes how people just stare at you and sometimes they don't stop and like the dumb ignorant shit that people say to me even with I have when I have people in my company like you know, my friends got to see it with their own eyes. My mom, she's used to it. She's used to telling people off. My sister, my brother, you know, they kind of just tell me to shrug it off. But when you're hanging around with like friends your age, because like I said before in another podcast episode, um, I have friends, but I'm the dis I'm the only disabled person that I know. 
I know people now because of my podcast and because people have reached out to me, but there's not a community of disabled people anywhere. I'm the only person, disabled person that I know. Um, and I'm sure I'm the only disabled person a lot of my friends know. So, you know, where are we? <laughs> we need to gather and we need to, you know, we need to make a Crip Camp 2020 because I want to meet more people like myself and more people with different disabilities than me so I can widen my perspective and really understand other perspectives and other, you know, viewpoints of being disabled. But that was one of the things that got to me, even in the documentary, was they literally deal with the same things. That lack of privacy was a big one because I always feel like I have to explain myself before people even get to know me as a person. Um, ableism existed even in 1970s, surprise, surprise, but it was hard for people to, to comprehend that be, just because you're disabled doesn't mean you want to sit at home all day. Just because you're disabled doesn't mean you don't like to have sex. Just because you're disabled doesn't mean that you don't deserve the daily pleasures in life, whether that's getting a candy bar when you want to or living independently if you want to do so. Um, these are privacies these are privacies and rights that people feel like they have as a human being but when you're disabled and you're crippled you know people don't seem to put the two and two together that we literally want everything that everyone else does um i don't understand why my disability is like a hindrance to that um so because of Crip Camp in 1970, uh, this turned a lot of the goers, the camp goers, into activists and made them, you know, want to speak up, make their voices heard and speak up for the people that they met at Camp Jeanette and themselves and to create active change within the disabled community. Um, I spoke about this as well on one of my previous podcast episodes. President Nixon is an asswipe, and he is the reason why a lot of the federal protections for disabled individuals are not around anymore. Um, there was a law in action before Nixon that disabled individuals, um, all of our funding and all of our help would be federal. Um, whether that be you needed and you wanted to live independently, there was a organization to help you do so. Whether you needed help finding a job or you needed assistance, whether it be with your wheelchair, medical care, anything else, um, that was taken of taken over by the federal government because of the federal agenda. And because Nixon vetoed that bill, it left the powers up to the states to deal with disability rights and what is considered a disability and who gets help and who doesn't and how much money you can make before you receive help. All of that state really, all of that power really went back to the states because of President Nixon. Um, but they were fighting, these group of individuals that went to crib camp were fighting to change that law because you just took away their human rights we are human beings what do you mean that we can't get into this building and there's nothing you can do about it what do you mean that someone can actively discriminate against me and not hire me because I have a disability and there's nothing that anybody could do about it this was before the ADA was passed the ADA wasn't passed until 1990 so you guys have to understand like we're human beings. We have human rights. Um, the fact that we even have to fight for this is kind of insane. But again, people, when you see a disabled person, that's all we tend to see. You don't see the person behind the disability. Um, 
they were talking one of my favorite freaking topics they were talking about how everything in the world seems to be like architecturally impossible to navigate meaning like the curbs there's no handicap interest way in buildings if there's like a huge stairway the handicap ramp is like two miles away um just handicap accessibility in general um it i talk about that a lot i think i've mentioned it in every podcast episode so far um accessibility is a problem I I'm not in a wheelchair but I do have a cane that I walk with sometimes but there have there have been times because of surgeries and things like that where I have been in a walker for months at a time I've been in wheelchairs for months to years at a time so I know what it's like to have a wheelchair have a walker have a cane and walk independently I've literally had all four spectrums of where you can be if you have a disability uh mobility wise and even as a person that walks on her own two feet, um, lack of accessibility is always a problem. Sometimes I don't want to take the stairs and a ramp would be easier, but I can't find the damn ramp. Or sometimes there is a stairwell, but there's no ramp on the stairwell for me to hold on to while I'm going up. Those are simple accessibility issues that an able-bodied person wouldn't think of because they can get up the stairs just fine. When you're disabled, that's an obstacle for you. And in the 1970s, there weren't any handicap ramps for people in wheelchairs to get into buildings. So you're literally limiting where they can go because there's no ramp for them to get into that building. I'm, I'm telling you now, it didn't stop them. A lot of them folded up their wheelchairs and carried themselves where they had to go, you know, with their upper body strength. So don't let it discern you. They didn't turn away and was like, well, I can't go here. They did what the fuck they had to do and probably upper body strength was through the roof, <laughs> but they shouldn't have had to do that. But again, people aren't thinking when they create architectural architectural buildings and design city streets they're not thinking about the disabled person they're not thinking about if you have any kind of mobility impairment you're not going to be able to get into this building get on this curb you might need to sit down here or there um people don't think about disabled people when they do things when they make designs and things like that (sighs) one of the biggest um things that Judy Human is responsible for is um, is starting Disabled in Action. It's an activist group for disabled individuals to take political action. Talk to your senators. Um, they actually staged like sit-ins with senators and walk um, sit-ins and refusing like hunger strikes and things like that to get these laws passed. These disability laws that we know today as the ADA and just having civil rights as a disabled person. Disabled in action is the reason that these laws exist. So Judy is really a hero. Like if you're disabled and you rely on ADA at all for any kind of protection, even though it is kind of STEMI and it does let us down sometimes, Judy is literally the reason. They have staged sit-ins. They have spoke up front with senators like, we're not going to take this. Can't you see that we're people? We deserve our rights. Um, You know, and just, you know, That is who I want to be in this world. I want to pioneer for this because, again, all of the things that they spoke about in this crip camp was going on in the 1970s are still happening today. There's still job discrimination. There's a hiring disparity. There's discrimination everywhere you go and being stigmatized and labeled 
for some reason, people don't think that disabled people can be sexually active. Um, I literally, I've heard so many stories how doctors have like outright disrespected a disabled person for even finding out they ha- that they had sex. And it's on, it's on the documentary too. One of the people with um, disabilities, doctor, doctor told her to her face like, I wouldn't think that anybody would want to fuck you. A doctor said that to a human being. So the stigmatization and the dumb, ignorant, evil shit that we hear sometimes as disabled people, it's just like, did you forget that I'm a person? I'm not a second-class citizen just because I have a disability. This group of people are the reasons that I have any kind of freedoms that I have today at all. So that was one of the biggest things that inspired me about this documentary is because they are the reason that I have what I have today as a disabled person. And if I could carry that torch and keep fighting for more rights, because again, all of these issues are still issues. They're not solved because disabled rights seem to be not seen as civil rights and with everything major going on in the world it seems to be like overshadowed like in the 1970s 80s and 90s when they were fighting for disability rights they were overshadowed they were overshadowed if you want to say by the civil rights movement um by you know the war in vietnam the the war in the gulf in the 90s like All of the times that disabled people were trying to fight for their rights, they were overshadowed by the mainstream issue of the country at the time. So it's always always has been an issue. It's not just disabled people are finally speaking up. We have always been trying to lobby for ourselves. But again, I think Congress and lawmakers and the people that make these laws view us as second-class citizens. They don't see that our rights and the things that we're trying to fight for are just as important as everything else that you're lobbying for where whatever the fuck our government is doing especially now um disabled people deserve to have their rights met need and heard and that was the most inspiring thing to me about this documentary because they were all young and they did it and there was so many people with disabilities um there were quadriplegic individuals that were staging sit-ins and choosing to sleep on the floor. These people cannot move themselves. They need people to help them move them in the middle of the night so they don't get bed sores. Chose to sleep on the floor in a senator's building to get these laws changed. So it's because of those people that did those brave, crazy things. Hunger strikes, 23 days without eating. Honey, I love to eat. But like, I just, because of their bravery and because of the shit that they were willing to do, we have the rights that we do today. I want to stage another protest with a whole bunch of disabled people um, to get basic hiring rights, to get better health care, to make people understand that, hey, uh, we're crippled, but we're human beings too. Um, Especially with everything that's going on with COVID-19, I've seen so many hashtags and people on Twitter and social media trying to reach out to their senators to make them realize like, hey, don't forget about the disabled community just because um, I don't have cancer or other kind of obvious immunocompromised diseases doesn't make me any less important because I have cerebral palsy or 
muscular um, sclerosis or anything that you might have physically, there are people frantic because we feel like the government is forgetting that we also exist. It's not just lower class families. It's not just people with obvious um, disabilities. It's all of us. We are a community and some of us are really getting left out and left in the cold. And that brings me to another topic that I want to throw in here since we're talking about rights and Camp Jeanette and everything that those people did at Crip Camp and the um, impact that they made. During COVID-19, things are changing in the United States. Um, everything is on lockdown. We are getting told where we can go and where we can't go. Um, everybody is, I'm happy about this, but everybody is worried about washing their hands now. You nasty, should have been doing that before, but that is beside the point. But a lot of people are realizing um what it's like to be a 21st century cripple. Um, a lot of, um, it's really funny, like it tickles me inside when people are sitting on social media arguing that um, what the hell are you going to do with a hundred or uh, like a thousand two hundred dollars? Like what, that's chump change. What are you going to do with that? Yes, I do agree. And it definitely is. But do you guys understand that disabled people are, are expected to live off of $760 a month? And people are arguing about $1,200 a month. If I got $1,200 a month, maybe I would be a little bit well off. But people that um, rely on SSI and SSDI and things like that, we are expected to live, to live off of $760 a month. So the fact that people are, are bickering and arguing over $1,200, they really have no idea, like, how you could really have it. And the fact that people are arguing for why can't we get the why can't we get the test? Why don't we have access to this healthcare? That is literally a person, a disabled individual's life. I have cerebral palsy, duh. If you aren't if you didn't know that by now, but um I have cerebral palsy. Um, luckily I've been in Texas my whole life and up until this last year of my life, but I've been in Texas my whole life and I've had the same doctor that diagnosed me to be my doctor my entire life. Now that I'm in a new state, it seems like I have to jump through hell and high water to even get a doctor that sees people with cerebral palsy. It's fucking crazy. Like there are people with cerebral palsy in the world. Did nobody think that we would need doctors? Like, we have to go to doctors that don't specialize in our disability, that just specialize in a small part of our disability, whether it's our foot pain, our back pain, or our knee pain, but they don't take into account that it's all together because I have a fucking disability. So even what they were de dealing with in 1970, trying to find access to healthcare, lack of accessibility, they can't get anywhere because they can't go anywhere because taxis aren't handicap accessible. Hello, I have a whole episode about how Uber does that to people. These are still issues today and I really enjoy this documentary because it brings it to the forefront. The only thing I wish that they would have talked about is juxtapose, 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 how the fuck, juxtapose, oh my gosh, sorry. I wish they would have juxtaposed, like, the things that they were dealing with in 1970 and 1920 and how things don't change. Um, if they would have, like, did that and did the little, like, swap forward, um, that really would have, like, put the cherry on top of the icing, on top of the sprinkles, on top of the cake. But um, it's a really great documentary, and it really, like, 
made me proud to be a disabled person and it made me proud to have this docu- um, this podcast because everything that they talked about on the documentary is stuff that I want to talk about or have already spoken about on my podcast. Um, they spoke about Willowbrook State School, y'all. That was a couple episodes ago. I spoke about Willowbrook State School and how these people were being treated in that institution and it was disgusting. And because of that institution is the reason that we have ADA laws. The people from Camp Jeanette heard about Willowbrook and were also sprung into action. It's all connected. Like that shit means something to me that I was talking about something that was in this documentary already. I feel like I am a disabled activist. I just need more people to hear me and spread my word and spread my podcast. But the fact that they spoke about Willowbrook just sent chills down my spine because it it ensures me that I am on the right path and I'm talking about things that are important within the disabled community. But it's literally all of the issues that I have spoken about um, in my podcast, it's, you know, invisible disabilities, architectural barriers, lack of equality, dealing with um, separate but equal 504, um, harassment, you know, people thinking this is a literal line from the documentary. I'm not making this up. Um, this lady with cerebral palsy, she said, disabled people like to fuck. I wish people would just leave us alone um, because you deal with a whole other kind of judgment and discrimin- discrimination and like offhanded looks when people find out that, yeah, disabled people, just like old people in nursing homes, they like to get freaky with it. So, you know, just ev- everything, um, the the lack of transportation to get to work, the feeling that sometimes you feel like you're a burden on your family. Um, you feel like you don't know any other disabled people and you don't have anyone to relate to. Um, everything that they spoke about in this documentary is what I have felt in my core and my soul pretty much most of my life. All of the things that I deal with, um, changing from an adult, I mean a child with cerebral palsy to an adult, um, realizing that the world really isn't accessible and really doesn't cater to you, especially as you get older. Um, it seems like a lot of attention is paid to younger and younger people with disabilities and children with disabilities. But when we become adults, we're somewhat forgotten and people think that we should fend for ourselves. But like I said, people are arguing and debating and having all kinds of financial debates over $1,200 a month by our federal government. Imagine having to live off of seven sixty a month. And if you get a job, not only do they take that away from you, like it wasn't much at all, but they take away your health insurance. The government has always not cared about the little man. And the fact that people are <laughs> starting to like open up their eyes to like, oh, it sucks to stay home all day. It sucks that um, I got laid off from my job or it sucks that I can't, what am I supposed to do with this $1,200 check? What am I supposed to do about healthcare? What if I get sick? This is the daily thought process of every disabled person that I know, especially the how am I supposed to make ends meet with this little chump change that I'm given because we try to get jobs and we're discriminated against or we're told how much money that we can save before our insurance are shitty insurance is taken away, um, Medicaid, because it doesn't cover everything. Um, and sometimes there is no doctors that service you if you do have Medicaid. So it's a lot of things that we go through. We didn't ask to go through and COVID-19 is kind of forcing everybody 
to kind of deal with what we deal with being disabled. And I, I just it just tickles me inside that people are all of a sudden caring about these issues when there has been not only me, but other disabled people speaking about this shit and what we go through and how it's impossible to live off $760 a month and how we need healthcare and we need to be paid attention to and we deserve rights. Now people are realizing in COVID-19 when the government is telling you where you can and can't go and everyone's getting laid off, now these issues are important now everybody wants health care now everybody doesn't understand how you can live off of $1,200 a month I would be grateful to get $100 or $1,200 a month from the government because they've been forcing me to live off of $760 my whole life so definitely this week for sure seeing all the debates that have been happening on social media it's really like oh so now you guys can get a little taste of what it's like to be a 21st century cripple. You won't really know because you don't know what it's like to be judged and stigmatized um, when you step out your front door. Um, it's like if you cough right now with COVID, everybody thinks that you're sick. Like, bitch, I just have allergies. <laughs> Imagine that for like your whole entire life, whether you're trying to have a friendship or a relationship or get a job or just make a group of friends. You always feel like you have to explain yourself first and be like, whoa, I'm not a weirdo. I just have cerebral palsy. You know, <laughs> it just like I should I should I've been making a joke about this my whole life I need to just make a shirt that says I have cerebral palsy so people know right when they see me because I feel like I'm always on display I always have to explain myself and make sure that if people say that they want to be around me that they are going to be around me and not going to be ashamed of me or embarrassed of me later on um it's it's a constant thing that I have to deal with um if I'm going to be able to get a ride to work, if I'm going to be able to get a ride when I want to go somewhere. Um, they were dealing with this in 1970. I'm still dealing with it in 2020. Um, not being able to find jobs that cater to me as a disabled person. Um, getting judged and stigmatized everywhere you go. I'm still dealing with all of this. The separate but equal, the 504. That's bullshit. Um, when I was in school, I was put in the... Um, the disabled classroom during recess because teachers didn't want to let me go outside because I was a liability to the school if I got hurt. You're literally separating the disabled people from the rest of the school but have the nerve to say that you're following the regulation that bans separate but equal. Like, are you guys stupid like just because like the people that enforce it and say that disabled people are being cared for um like they're not you're literally separating them from the rest of the population and then asking able-bodied individuals why they don't understand us you're separating us from the time that we're in school to the time that we grow up and get jobs um or you're making um you're making an enigma of us or you're making a story of us not realizing that we are just human fucking beings so I love this documentary. It really sparked up all these emotions in me and it made me realize that I don't want to stop what I'm doing with this podcast. I'm going to keep it going. I'm going to talk my shit. I'm going to talk about real issues because people that are disabled, first of all, we need to hear it. We need someone to speak for us. I'm not saying, you know, I'm that person. You could listen to whoever you want to, but I didn't hear anybody speaking, so I decided to. And I want disabled people, you know, I want my friends, my all the other people in my life, you know, like I said, I'm the only disabled person I know, but if you're in my life and you're my friend and you respect me as a person and you just want to know, 
you know, what the hell I'm talking about. I want you to. I want you to tune into this podcast. I want you to realize the things that we go through because, like I said, in one of my other episodes, it's not a disabled versus able-bodied issue. It's a people issue because we're human beings. And the more that we can have people empathize with the problems that we go through and the struggles that we have, the more we can lobby together and fight for change. We're we're not going to do it on our own, but we have to start somewhere. So whether you're disabled and you're listening to this and or you're able-bodied and you just want to know what the fuck I'm talking about, um, I really appreciate you for tuning in and I hope that you take my topic matter seriously. Um, It's been a crazy couple of weeks and a little hard to focus on, you know, the important things, but I'm telling you, um, things are going to change um, in the United States. I don't know where it's heading right now. Seems like we're kind of headed toward Great Depression. So <sighs> part two, we shall see. Um, but you know, it, it's interesting times. But again, if we're not informing people and staying on top of our shit, um, there's people fighting for their disability rights today. Because with the COVID-19, there's a lot of discrimination going on. So we can't just take a back seat and you know, let life sit idly by. We have to do something, especially now when everything seems to be in shambles. We need to, you know, have something that we believe in or we'll fall for anything. So I really thank you guys for tuning in today. Um, Make sure that you tune in to the documentary Crib Camp on Netflix and just see what I'm talking about. Um, If you've been listening to my podcast since the very beginning, you will literally see that some of the some, if not most of the things that I've talked about on episode of my podcast have are they talk about it briefly or mention it in the documentary. So these are, you know, these are real issues that I deal with as a 24-year-old woman, but people have been dealing with this, you know, forever. And to see it on like videos that they took in the 70s, it just kind of blew my mind and it it like brightened something in me and it they're they're really all my heroes. I wish I could meet them all. But, you know, whether you've been listening to me from the beginning or you tune in from here to there, um if you watch Crip Camp Tune back in to my podcast and listen to what I said, um, I've said in past episodes and tell me that it's not aligned. The things that I go through and other people go through as a, as a disabled person in the 21st century, people were still dealing with this in 1970 and I'm sure way before. So um, that just goes to show you guys I'm serious about the shit that I do and what I talk about. And I really want to, you know, I have a potty mouth, whatever. I want to become an activist. I have tattoos and I curse and I like, you know, to do other things. I like to smoke. Um, but we already know that. And you would know that if you've been listening. But, um, you know, you don't have to fit the cookie cutter um, ideal of what an activist is or what a person that aspires change to be. You just have to want that change to happen and not and be brave enough to speak about it. So I want to be that woman. I'm going to be that person. So, you know, I don't fit the cookie cutter view of like what an activist is or should look like or who we are, but I, I don't care. <laughs> I am one. And, you know, if you're listening to me, and you tune in every week or you care what I have to say, you're standing right here in solidarity with me. So remember to watch this documentary, um, you know, reach out to me on social media. Let me know like what you think and, you know, if it provoked any thoughts in you because it did with me. Everything that I've spoken about or I have felt as a disabled person, 
um, was brought up in the documentary and I haven't really seen anything that really hit home like that for me. And the fact that the Obamas were behind this, um, producing it and bringing it to Netflix really just makes me love it and respect them that much more. So make sure you tune into Crip Camp and make sure you tune into any of my previous past episodes. Remember to stay blessed don't get stir crazy, Cut, color, you know, write, draw, go crazy with the music today, like whatever you have to do to stay sane, make sure you do that. Um, stay safe, stay at home, and thank you for tuning in, guys. This is Cece, this is the 21st Century Cripple, and I will hear you next week.